Welcome to Empyrean Podcast, a podcast where kingdom and heavenly realities are proclaimed to be manifested and embodied in your everyday life. On today's episode of Empyrean, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse um, 10. It says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive it, I, it in the person of Christ. Verse 11, a key verse, lest Satan should gain an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, we have to be aware that, you know, there are key words in the word warfare. The word war has to do with a, a war, of course, or a battle or a conflict. And the word fear has to do with strategy. So we are in a, a, a spiritual war. We are in a, a spiritual battle. And, you know, the Bible tells us who our adversary is. The, the Bible calls him Satan. And Satan literally means adversary. So there is an individual uh, entity who opposes everything that God wants to do on the face of the earth. The enemy opposes everything God desires. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, it says the thief come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, it said, but I have come, this is Jesus speaking, to give life and life more abundantly. So we realize as it relates to spiritual warfare is that there is an entity that is hell bent on um, to steal, to kill and to destroy. But there is another king who is who is hell bent or obsessed with life and life more abundantly. So God's plan for the Christian is that a Christian will experience a life that supersedes what is humanly possible, a life that overflows, a life that supersedes what is normal, a life that where the individual will be filled with wisdom, knowledge, understanding, faith, the fruit of the spirit, godly character, holiness, righteousness, these type of things, financial prosperity, soul prosperity. These are the things that God desires to give to his children and the things that God desires his children to walk in. The Bible tells me in the book of John, no, and, and um, I believe it'd be second or third John, it says that God has, it says that uh, 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 basically uh, uh, a parent has no greater delight than to see their children walking in truth. This is for all spiritual leadership, all spiritual overs oversight. Everyone who is responsible for the souls of other men has no greater joy than to see those individuals walking in truth. How much more God, God, the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life is to guide us into all truth, to lead us into the truth and for us to know the truth and the truth to make us free. So God desires a life where we are free from all lies, free from all bondages, free from all lack, free from everything that is adversarial to God. But the, the, the chief, the opponent, the, the one who is responsible for opposing God's purposes is called Satan. So in this, this war, in this spiritual warfare, you have to be aware of an, an entity called Satan, because if you are unaware of Satan, Satan will get an advantage of you. If you are unaware of Satan, then his plans will prevail over you. The Bible says you cannot be ignorant of his devices. The word devices in the Greek means his schemes, his strategies, his plans and plots. So Satan has a plan. Satan has strategies. Satan has schemes. Satan has snares, traps that he operates in. And any believer that is ignorant of Satan's plans, his plots, his snares, his, his traps, his devices, his strategies, they will be taken advantage of. So it is the will of God that no believer be taken advantage of. 
And so what I want to do, you know, um, now I actually have a series in my online store. If you visit www.darnellcraig.com, I believe I have an eight to nine part series called Satan's Devices. If you want to know more about Satan's schemes, then make sure you check that out. But I do want to speak to some of the major schemes that um, Satan uses. You know, Satan's primary um, weapon is what we call deception. Deception. Um, Satan is a deceiver. In other words, what Satan does is Satan perverts the truth, right? What Satan does is he bends the truth to his own um, kingdom or he takes what God has established and he perverts it in a way that is harmful, in a way that is um, that nullifies his effect, in a way that would, would cause you, know, you to miss God's best for your life. So Satan's main job is deception. And many believers are deceived because of what the Bible says in the book of Hosea, chapter four, verse six. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So what Satan does is Satan uses what the believer does not know against them. And Satan will cause the believer who does not have knowledge to fall into deception, which is why one of the ways we arm ourselves or overcome Satan's devices is to become knowledgeable. You need knowledge of your salvation. You need knowledge of your identity in Christ. You need knowledge of God's laws. You need knowledge of God's statutes. You need knowledge of God's judgments. You need knowledge of God's precepts. You need knowledge of God's written word. Because the way Satan will fight an individual is use what they don't know against them. Because Satan is an agent that needs darkness. And darkness is a, a one of the... the um symbolisms or metaphors for darkness is ignorance. So the enemy um, preys upon believers in their areas of ignorance. He preys upon believers in the areas that they don't understand. And the way we overcome Satan or the way we become more informed, or the way that he does not gain an advantage over us is for believers to be armed with knowledge. A believer needs to discipline themselves to daily read God's word, because as they daily read God's word, they are, they are, the Bible says, says they become wise in salvation. In other words, salvation is a, an experience that happens instantaneously. Salvation is an experience that happens that is ongoing. And salvation is an experience that is futuristic. So the salvation of the, of the spirit is instantaneous. The salvation of the soul is ongoing. And the salvation of the body happens upon the return of Jesus. So when you are born from above, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are born out of heaven. Your spirit fuses with the Holy Spirit. And now your spirit is alive. Pre-Christ, your spirit was dead. Your spirit was unaware of revelation. Your spirit had no contact with God. After Christ, in Christ, your spirit is made alive and now you are joined to the Lord and you become one spirit with him. Now, your soul is what's very interesting because your soul is the place where where, where um, invisible entities will hide. Your soul is the place where invisible entities will torment. Your soul is the place where invisible entities will deceive. Your soul is the place where you will be under the influence of an invisible entity that we call demons. So what happens is the, the, what God has done in your spirit is instantaneous, but there is a processing of what's happening in what has happened in your spirit that begins to transform your soul. And every believer has to participate with this transformation. This transformation is what we theologically call sanctification. 
And sanctification is an ongoing process where a believer um, becomes more and more like Jesus in word and thought and character and indeed. You know, there are many Christians who uh, who believe in Jesus, but they are not cooperating with the process of sanctification. And by doing so, they are not set apart and they are set apart theologically, but they're not set apart in experience. In other words, they defile themselves through a life of sin or they defile themselves through a life of ignorance. And what begins to happen is God save them to set them apart. You know, the Bible says that God has called you out of darkness to proclaim the, the, into this marvelous light to proclaim the praises of him that has called you. So what God has done as a Christian, God has transitioned you out of darkness and shifted you into the light so that you can be a walking, living example of the grace, the mercy, the kindness, and the goodness of God. But in order for that grace, that mercy, that kindness, that goodness to be seen, it has to be seen through the ongoing transformation of the believer and which we call sanctification. So every believer, is on this process of sanctification. And one of the things that Satan does is Satan opposes the believer in the sanctification process. This is why the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians chapter two, it says, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling because your spirit is saved, but your soul is being saved. And in order for your soul to be saved, you have to participate with the spirit of God working in your soul. The spirit of God systematically will eject the enemies of your soul. The, the spirit of God will systematically eject the agents of evil that are housed in your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality. And then over a period of time, your progress becomes evident to all. So Satan, one of the primary things that Satan does is Satan deceives believers. He, he will deceive a believer into thinking that he does not exist. There are many, many believers who are in darkness, who are blinded by deception, and the Bible says that God has blinded the mind of unbelievers lest they turn to the glorious light of the gospel in Christ. So before Christ, what Satan does is Satan blinds the mind of those who don't believe so they will stay in darkness because once you come out of the darkness, you experience the light which is in Christ and that light which is in Christ leads to freedom. It leads to breakthrough and it leads to transformation. So Satan will blind unbelievers to the truth. But then even once a believer comes to Jesus, once an unbeliever converts to Christianity, once they're born, uh, born from above, born out of heaven, Satan begins to oppose them in their progress. Satan wants believers who have saved, who, who, who have received Jesus to live just like the world. He wants believers who are saved to live like they're not set apart. He wants believers who are saved to be unclean. But the will of God for every believer is that a believer is set, set apart, that a believer walks in holiness, righteousness, and truth. And this is where the spiritual warfare begins to start because Satan opposes believers from walking in holiness. Satan opposes believers from walking in righteousness and Satan will oppose believers from receiving the truth. So we talk about deception. Satan will deceive a believer into thinking that walking in righteousness is not important. Satan will deceive a believer into thinking that um, holiness is, is, is inconsequential. 
And Satan will deceive a believer into thinking that the truth is unimportant. So there are there are people that profess to believe in Jesus Christ, but they deny the truth. There are people that profess to believe in Jesus Christ, but they um, live unclean lives. There are people that profess to believe in Jesus Christ, but they are ignorant of God's scriptures. And this is the work of Satan. So one of the ways that Satan gets an advantage over, over a believer is that a believer refuses to become informed. Listen, knowledge is... Is your strength. One of the old folks used to say, the old folks used to say, an old adage is knowledge is power. But I heard something that was deeper. They say if knowledge is power, then understanding is its purpose. Every believer needs to know if knowledge is power, then understanding is its potency. If every believer, every believer needs to know why Jesus came. Every believer needs to know what Jesus did. And every believer needs to understand how, what Jesus, why Jesus came, what he did. You need to understand how it affects you now. To the degree you don't understand this, it's the degree that Satan will have an advantage over you. For example, there are believers right now who are trying to earn their salvation. But the Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter two that I'm saved by grace through faith. My salvation is a gift that I can never earn. But when you don't know salvation is a gift, you'll approach salvation as a reward. So you'll be striving to earn something you never can earn. But this is a deception, right? Or there are believers who think that they can live good enough to go to heaven. But the Bible says that my righteousness is as filthy rags. So God doesn't want me to be clothed with my own righteousness. He wants me to be clothed with Jesus Christ. See, knowledge is what's so important. So what believers have to do, they have to understand the gospels. You need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? What did Jesus accomplish on the cross for me? And what does salvation do for me? What does my salvation include? Every believer needs to become, um, they need to become aware of their identity in Christ. Who am I in Christ Jesus? Who I was passed away. The Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. All things are new. And all things are of God. So as a believer, you're on a journey of discovery. You're discovering who you are in Christ. You're discovering what Christ has done for you. And you're discovering how to live a life that is well-pleasing to the one who died for you. Anything else is deception. So what Satan does is Satan hinders and opposes your progress, right? That's one of the ways he works. He works in the Satan works in what we call deception, Another way that Satan works against believers is what we call fear, right? And fear is, is like faith in reverse. Fear is faith in the power of Satan. So, you know, the Bible says something interesting. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, it says that Satan goes to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So what Satan does is Satan portrays himself as all-powerful. Satan portrays himself as more powerful than he is, but the Bible says he goes to and fro like a roaring lion. Satan imitates an individual who has a lot of power, but we have to understand what happened on the cross. In the book of Colossians, the Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, it says he openly spoiled principalities and powers. 
Now, to understand that, let's talk about what that means. The, in, in the ancient cultures, if, if I was a, let's say right now, let's, let's use a countries. If I was a, if I was a ruler over Africa and you were a ruler over Asia and we got into a war, if I was the ruler of Africa and I won, what would happen is this. When I win the war, you become my captive. And to celebrate, what you would do is you would take the ruler of Asia and you would tie the ruler of Asia down and you would put the ruler of Asia on the back of a chariot or a carriage. And what we would do is we would have a parade all over Africa where people would see that I've dethroned the king of Asia. And the one who used to be a ruler, used to be all powerful, used to be a king is now my slave. And everyone would see because it will be an open victory parade. So what Jesus did on the cross is Jesus took the power of ruling in the earth from Satan, which Adam forfeited. And Jesus made an open display of all demons, powers and principalities. So Satan was powerful, all powerful before Jesus died on the cross. But when Jesus was down on the cross in the natural, it looked like Jesus literally was suffering and it looked like he was just defeated and it was all over. But in the spirit, every every lick, every stroke, everything that Jesus took was to systematically dismantle the power of the satanic kingdom where the satanic kingdom had no more power. So one of the things you have to understand, if we're going to be effective in spiritual warfare, you have to understand that your enemy is a defeated foe. Satan is defeated and Jesus is the Lord. Here's the, here's where the deception comes in about spiritual warfare. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. What Jesus did, Jesus secured the victory on the cross and gave it to us. Now, when you don't know who you are in Christ, when you don't know who Jesus is, when you don't know what Jesus has done, Satan uses the fear against you. And a fear, we use an example of fear. Fear is like this. Right now, you have a gun and someone breaks your house, you pull the gun out on that person. That person pulls a gun out on you. And when that person pulls a gun out on you, you're so afraid of being shot that the person says, hand over your gun right now. So you hand your gun over to the person only to find out that this individual did not have a legitimate gun. It was a fake gun, but now he's taking your power away. This is what fear does. Fear is faith in the power of the devil because you don't understand the power of God. There is an old African proverb I love to say, which says that he who fears the devil is not intimate with God. And he who is intimate with God does not fear the devil. There's no in between. You either you either are intimate with God and fearless of the devil or you are fearful of the devil because you're not intimate with God. But the more intimate you become with God, the less you fear the devil, because out of that intimacy with God, you become aware of who you are. You become aware of what God has done and you become aware of what the cross has secured for you. So what happens in a spiritual warfare, people are approaching Satan as if he is still all powerful. People are approaching Satan as if Jesus didn't say all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Another alarming trend that I, I, I want to make people aware of 
you know, the Bible tells us and nothing new is under the sun. So I'm realizing that in the in a lot of Pentecostal and charismatic circles in the body of Christ, there's such an emphasis on the difference between the witchcraft in Africa, the witchcraft in other parts of the world than America. But I want to make you aware that Jesus said all authority and power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Although the witchcraft of Africa may be strange and obscure and infrequent, Jesus has given every single believer, according to Luke chapter 10, every single believer, according to Luke chapter 10, he says, he says, behold, I give you authority. I give, behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. He said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. And right there, so Jesus has given every single believer, whether you're just born again yesterday or been born again 10 years, you have authority and power over all serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. There's not a devil in Africa or a devil in America or a devil in Asia or a devil in Brazil that has more authority than a believer. Now, the outworking of that authority, that is questionable because sometimes your unbelief in who you are, your unbelief in what God says about you, your fear of the devil will cause those things to not flesh out in your life. But Jesus has done his part and Jesus has given you authority and power over all serpents and scorpions. There's not one demon there's not one demon or demonic entity that a believer does not have power over. And there's not one believer who does not have power over all the power of the enemy. But this victory, this power has to be enforced. But we're enforcing it because we realize this, that I'm fighting from victory. I'm not fighting for victory. When I engage in spiritual warfare, when I engage in deliverance, when I engage in functioning in spiritual authority, I'm not engaging in it because I'm trying to get something. I'm enforcing what I already have. For example, it's like this. Now, this can be inhumane, any main example, but I'll make you aware of something. There's something that exists in pets, what we call a shock collar. And the shock collar, you know, you'll put it on the dog and it'll look like the dog is running loose and it'll look like the dog has complete freedom. And if you were to see a dog with a shock collar, you'll actually be afraid because you'll realize, hey, this dog is not on a leash. And everything looks fine until that dog crosses the boundary. And once that dog crosses the boundary, it is shocked. And it awakens to the fact that I cannot go that far. This is how the devil is. It looks a certain way. It can even feel a certain way. But if, if a believer rises up and know who they are in Christ and addresses Satan, you enforce the boundaries of the victories of the cross. Because as a believer, I'm not I'm not engaging with Satan for victory. I'm engaging with Satan from victory. Satan has no right to my finances. Satan has no right to my mind. Satan has no right to my family. But Satan goes to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So what Satan does is Satan approaches you as if God is not real. Or Satan can be incessant upon his temptation, incessant upon his torment, incessant, incessant upon his dealings with you. And because he has wore out your patience, you just give up. This is why the Bible tells us, the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. Satan wants you to relinquish control. Satan wants you to stop fighting. Satan wants you to give up. Because a lot of times we aren't convinced of who we are. It reminds me of an example. I remember um, as a prophet in Alabama um, down south, I remember he had a dream. And he had a dream that there was a, he was on his porch and there was a demon on the sidewalk. 
And the demon appeared, and he said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the demon disappeared. A couple seconds later, the demon came back, and they started walking toward him. He said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It disappeared, and it came right back. And what began to happen was the demon that started on the side of the street, on the sidewalk, it ended up being right in his face on the front porch. But every time he said, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you, it disappeared and came back. And the demon ended up following him from the side of the street to his side of the street, to the porch, up the stairs of his house. But every time the demon came toward him, he kept saying, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, and it disappeared. And finally, the demon ended up going in his room, got him on top of the bed, and he had kept saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the last time, the demon was face-to-face -face with him, and he didn't say anything. And then what happened next was so crazy. God rewinded the dream and let him see what happened. The demon was on the side of the road and he said, I rebuke you and it disappeared. But then God showed him what he couldn't see. What he couldn't see was it was about it was thousands of demons on the side of the road that looked the same. And every single time he said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, that demon went away and another demon took his place. But Satan had orchestrated a scheme to make him think that he had no power and there was no power in the name of Jesus. And this is what the enemy does. The enemy begins to wear your patience out and make you think that God's word has no power. He makes you think the name of Jesus has no power. He makes you think that prayer has no power. He makes you think that worship and praise have no power. He makes you think that the word of God has no power. He makes you think that community has no power. But this is a scheme of the enemy. So we cannot be ignorant of his devices, saints. If we want to overcome the devil, we have to continue in the word of God and know the truth. Listen, the Bible says that Jesus upholds everything by the word of his power. When you read the scriptures, you are seeing spiritual laws that govern the invisible world that even Satan himself is submitted to. Now, when a believer enforces spiritual law, when a believer acts in obedience and faith to God's word, there is always going to be a tangible manifestation in a period of time that God's word is true. But Satan fights you as if God's word is not true. And because it seems like it is not working, it seems like it's not effectual. It seems like it is not Im impactful. You become discouraged and you get deceived. So Satan works against the believer through deception. And then Satan works against the believer with fear right? Because fear is faith in reverse. Job says something so powerful. He said, the thing I feared the most has fallen upon me. So there's a principle that when you fear a thing, you open a door and you give Satan legal right to attack you based upon legal right to attack you based upon fear. Job was afraid of losing it all. Job was afraid of his children dying, all these different things. But because he was afraid of it, he opened a door where Satan had legal right to attack him. So what we want to do is we want to fill ourselves up with faith. You want to become knowledgeable of God's word because because faith is based upon knowledge. Always remember that faith begins where the will of God is known. There can be no exercise of faith unless you know God's will and God's will is found in his word. So the more I know God's word, the more I know God's will and I can have faith because I can't believe for what I'm not sure God wants me to have. So when I read the word, I become aware of the will of God for my life and I can believe God for him to fulfill his word because he that is promised is well able to perform. See, this is why Satan wants us to be ignorant. 
This is why Satan wants us to be discouraged. This is why Satan wants us to give up. And Satan does not want you to know who you are. Every believer is going through an attack on your spiritual identity because if you ever awaken to who you are, if you ever awaken to what you have, if you ever awaken to how God views you, your entire life begins to change. I want to take you to a place. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you something. The Bible says, verse one, it says, then was Jesus led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. One of the ways the devil works is he tempts you. Right. And there'll be times where the spirit will allow you to be tempted by the devil. The word temptation is not a bad word. Temptation means an experience that reveals your character. A temptation literally is you being put on trial so you can see who you are. One of the things we learned about God is that God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. This means that God would allow things to happen to you that you didn't think or see to expose what's in your heart. Every believer will be tempted of the devil. But when a believer is tempted of the devil, it proves your character. And sometimes it shows you that you need to get on the altar and allow the fire of God to be applied to your character so your character can change. This is why we need the fire of God. This is why we engage in relationship with God, because God is a consuming fire. There is no believer that can consistently spend time with God and their character stay the same. There's no believer that can consistently spend time with God and his fire not burn sin out of their life. There's no believer that can consistently spend time with God and God through his fire not burn away evil desires and evil longings. But here's the issue. Satan distracts believers from spending time with God. Satan wants you so focused on your job, so focused on raising your kids, so focused on the cares of this world that you have nothing left to give to God. And over a period of time, you never change. Remember, Satan. Satan is the word Satan means adversary. Saints, one of the things we have to know is that Satan is an, our adversary and Satan hinders everything that God is after. So Satan knows that the secret of change will be you developing a relationship with God. So Satan opposes your discipline and your relationship with God. Satan opposes your consistency and your relationship with God, because as you engage in relationship with God, the Bible says that God is a consuming fire. And if a person engages in consistent relationship with God, then the fire of God begins to perform surgery on the individual. The fire of God begins to burn away character defects. The fire of God begins to burn away evil desires. The fire of God begins to burn away things in us that are not like God. So what Satan does is, is Satan opposes or distracts us from our relationship with God. I think one of the biggest underlook or overlook um, strategies in spiritual warfare is to get you so caught up in the cares of this world and just life that you begin to um, fall out of a relationship with God. And what I mean by relationship with God, I'm saying there's no pursuit of God. There is no hunger for God. There is no passion for God because Satan specializes in putting the fire out of believer. You know, the Bible says that I wish that you are hot or cold. To be hot means to be on fire for God. To be hot means to be hungry for God. To be hot means to be passionate for God. To be cold means you've made up your mind that you don't want God and you're going to be as far away from God as possible. But many believers are lukewarm. It means they're undecided. One day they want to be passionate. One day they want to be hungry. One day they want to be all in. One day they want to go into the deep things of God. 
God one day. They want God to use them. The next day, they don't care about God. The next day, they're tired of this. The next day, you know, it's too much and, and, and they're, they're lukewarm. But God wants you to engage in that consistent relationship with him because it is the consistency of the relationship with God of a personal private relationship with God that breeds transformation, that breeds the renewal of the mind, that breeds us going from faith to faith and glory to glory. So Satan is a tempter. And there are going to be times in life, saints, where you're going to be tempted of the devil. But we need that temptation. Because the Bible tells us that, you know, no, you can't say you're tempted by God. God does not tempt any man because God is not evil, but God allows temptation so we can see what we are. We can see where we stand. We can see how much more we need Jesus. We can see how we're in desperate need of a savior, how we can see how this is an ongoing process. So we can see that we have not arrived. But when Satan comes, Satan will tempt you about your identity. One of the temptations of Satan is to make you think that you're, you're in wrong standing with God to make you think that your relationship with God is inconsequential to make you think that because you've made a mistake or because you sin that you're no longer a child of God and Satan will cause you to try to perform to prove that you're a child of God rather than live out of relationship. The will of God for you, saints, is that you just live out of your relationship with God, that the overflow of your relationship with God is seen in the world. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you pray in secret, then I reward you openly. God desires you to have a private, loyal relationship to him that is seen on display in public. In other words, your heart posture is given toward God. Your your loyalty is to God. Your your devotion is to God. And because your heart is this way to God in private, we see the outworking of that thing publicly. There's a lot of people that have a public loyalty to God. They have a public devotion to God. They have a public relationship with God, but in secret, they don't esteem him highly. And what begins to happen is the spirit of religion begins to overtake them because now they're no longer living for God. They're living for people. And because they're living for people, they become hypocrites. They, they live for the praise of men. They live for the applause of men. They live for the stage, but who they are in public is who they're trying to be to impress you, but they don't have that before God. And then what, what Satan does is Satan attempt, will tempt you to, to tempt God, to put yourself in a situation that requires judgment, to put yourself in a situation that requires God's justice to fall upon you. Satan will put you in a situation where you are almost tempt or mock God. So we have to learn if we're going to be effective in Christ, we have to learn how to walk uprightly before God. We have to learn what righteousness is. We have to learn what is well-pleasing to God because there are times where even when we read Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 through 10, I'm going through those three temptations. The first temptation was to prove he was a son of God. And many of us fall into temptation to prove to other people that we're children of God or to prove to God we're a child of God rather than rest in the finished works of Christ and allow the seed, the incorruptible seed of Jesus and his word that was planted in our heart to begin to outwork and change our soul. We're trying to strive to be what we already are instead of allow the process of growth and change to have its working in us. And then many of us, we fall into tempting God. We get in situations, relationships, circumstances that don't don't glorify God at all. And it becomes a mockery. But Satan has perverted or deceived us into thinking that we can't tempt God. We can't put ourselves in a situation of, of, of uh, incurring God's wrath. The Bible does not say that God has no anger. The Bible say that God is slow to anger. And as believers, we have to learn what really pleases the Lord, because many times we'll find ourselves in a position 
of tempting God because we don't know God's word. So we're in relationships, circumstances, situations that don't bring God glory, that really deserve the wrath of God, but we don't know. So Satan will tempt us in those experiences. And the last way he'll do it is Satan will tempt us with the things of the world. He'll tempt you with the clout. He'll tempt you with the prestige. He'll tempt you with the platform. He'll tempt you with the influence, but you had to compromise to gain it. You had to, you had to lose your soul to gain it. You had to lose your identity. You had to lose your character. You had to lose your, 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 your consecration. You had to lose your standing. The, the Bible calls the pride of life. There are many believers who have fallen prey to the, the pride of life. You, you want to get to a place in life where you can boast and brag on how I did it by myself without nobody's help. I came from the mud and this is worldly because I am what I am by the grace of God. But Satan, um, but saints, listen, we have to grow to a place where we're not ignorant of saints devices. Saints, we have to grow to a place where we arm ourselves with knowledge. Saints, we have to grow to a place where we know our heavenly identity. Saints, we have to grow to a place where we know why Jesus came. Saints, we have to become um, we have to become experts in the gospel. We have to become expert in the new covenant. We have to know what this new covenant is about. You are in an agreement with God and Satan is using your lack of understanding about that agreement or that covenant with God against you. And if we're going to be victorious in spiritual warfare, it's going to come out of developing a, a, a strong relationship with God, having a knowledge of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, learning how to enforce and use our spiritual authority and power and living out and living from a place of victory, not for a place of victory and making sure that we rest in the finished works of the cross. Saints, I want to encourage you that even though we're in the midst of spiritual warfare, Satan is defeated and Jesus is the Lord. If you are blessed by this episode of Empyrean and would like to connect further, be sure to follow me on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Darnell Craig, and be sure to visit my website, www.darnellcraig, for courses and digital products that will deepen your relationship with God. Mm -hmm.